podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Some of the topics are addiction, fear, faith, self-compassion, relationships, codependency, emotional intelligence, and more. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Burnout is a growing epidemic in our workplaces, and it's affecting not just employee well-being, but the corporate bottom line. 44% of full-time workers in the U.S. say they feel burned out at work, at least sometimes, if not very often or always, according to a recent Gallup report. Self-care is also associated with burnout, poor employee relations, and toxic work environments. A new development is emotional trauma life support. A new science and psychological treatment are needed for providers like police, fire, paramedics, nurses, and doctors in ICU, ERs, neonatal, etc. In this episode, Reverend Mark Baisden answers important questions such as the reason that self-care is so important and how does it impair a person from providing quality of care. As a minister and therapist, Reverend Mark Baisden has seen so many individuals, families, communities, agencies, and churches struggle with emotional instability distress, relational distress, and addictions. The calling that guides him is to serve people no matter where they are or are at. Through that calling, Reverend Mark has been able to work in institutions, hospitals, community centers, native villages and reservations, schools, and in front rooms, kitchens. Here is the interview with Reverend Mark Baisden. Welcome back, Reverend Mark Baisden. My first question to you, unofficial, is what have you learned or how have you changed since we spoke last? Well, I'll start by saying thank you for having me again. Thank you. When I read or when I write, I tend to be more aware of what I'm trying to say. And that's part of that communication that you, you know, we might get to today. But it's also about how do people receive the information? It's also about how do I look at it? Do I look at it as something to share or do I look at it for me and then the sharing comes up later? So I'm just more aware of what the information is actually saying. And I guess step two is how can they put it into practice? People can put it into practice. So that's how things have changed for me. Great. We'll get into the subject of self-care actually right away. 
How do you define self-care? Being aware of yourself and your needs to be able to continue to provide for others. It also is there are the management of your own emotions in that and recognizing how we or I respond and react to certain situations and understanding that then I can work on the things I need for me to be a better caregiver. That makes so much sense. How do you personally promote self-care on a daily basis, Mark? I don't budget my time, but I make sure I'm not doing the same thing, such as editing pictures, or I'm not sitting at my computer for more than 45 to 50 minutes. I get up, I walk around, I go talk with my cats. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I make phone calls, I answer phone calls. But I don't get so locked into it that I'm oblivious to everything else. Or if I look at the clock again or something causes me to look at the clock on my computer or on my wall, I don't say, where did the time go? Because mm. physically, people need to get up and move around at least once every hour for five minutes. to get the blood circulating to change your breathing patterns so your brain is getting the proper amount of oxygen. You don't get stiff joints that way as well. Right. So for me, I take breaks fairly frequently, but everybody needs to be able to step away from what they're doing and just take a breath of fresh air. Mm, I agree 100%. How about sleep and diet? Well, again, all of these things in self-care are kind of interlinked. Right. Um, if I don't have the right nutrition, for example, I'm not going to have the right amount of energy to complete the task. And especially, for example, if I am a caregiver, like I was for my father and one of my sons, I found I ran out of energy. I wasn't able to lift them because my dad was all dead weight. I wasn't able to help my son as easily uh, move him in bed or help him to change position. Or I fell asleep in the chair. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't able to observe what I needed to do. So nutrition is a big part of that. You've got to have energy and the proper type of energy to be able to continue to do your job. Sleep-wise, the body needs rest. Uh, for example, a lot of people don't know that many vegetables that we eat, like corn, for example, basically are in a state of rest during the day, and they do their growing at night. Mm, yeah. We know that children and ourselves recover when we have consistent resting time. When the body's at rest, it can heal more. When body at rest, we have better dreams. We're able to get to the rent sleep. We're not so tired that we sleep through the night and wake up tired even more. Mm -hmm. yeah. Our body is a ever-changing, growing, repairing, healing entity. And it needs that time to recharge. Um, think of the Eberjizer bunny. You never see him wear out of energy. Mm -hmm. But if you popped his batteries out or let him go to the end, he'd run down just like we do. Right. And sometimes we push ourselves too much. Yeah. And that will drain our batteries. And we'll drain if we're not eating the right foods, we're just drinking, don't have enough protein, don't have enough whatever. 
then we're not going to have the nutrients. And what the body does is begin to eat on itself. So true. My next question is about the impact of self-care and professional success. It seems very obvious by the way you have been talking, but can you please elaborate a bit more about how you connect self-care and professional success? If I'm able to meet not only my own needs and somebody else's needs when I'm maintaining my self-care, some of that emotional side of things, if my self-care isn't well, that somebody calls me on the phone, they want some information, or my sons call me, or my daughters call me, or my mother calls me, I might be a little bit more irritable. I might snap. I don't hear what they're really trying to tell me. Um, And I think that's so critical. There's a philosophy that is so true in today's busy times that if you are not able to take care of yourself, how do you expect to be able to take care of somebody else? Mm -hmm. Yes. We all try because it's easier to take care of somebody else than it is ourselves. Mm. But we need to bring, we need to be able to provide us the same level of caring, the same level of physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual care to ourselves that we provide for others. Mm. And because we're getting asked to do more and more nowadays, our employers are asking us to do twice the amount of work in the same period of time. Families are struggling and trying to be there for your family, be there for your own personal family, but be there for others can drain you very fast. And it's hard because it's emotional. The closer there are to you, the harder it becomes. I think we talked about this before. It's easier to take care of others before taking care of ourselves. And I don't remember exactly what you said the last time I asked. Okay. Is this connected to self-love, the lack of self-love? Yes. Also part of self-concept. It's the aspect that it is really hard to truly love somebody else if you don't like yourself. Mm -hmm. It is hard to show the same compassion to yourself if you're constantly giving your compassion to others away. And we are asked to do more and more today, not just by employers, but our own family members. And sometimes that can, they can go overboard and we don't tend to put up as many boundaries with them. And we sure don't put boundaries with ourselves. Sometimes you gotta say, no, I'm not available this weekend. I need to spend some time on me. I need to rest. I need to read. I need to do something. I just can't be giving all the time. And giving is a big part of our lives. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. But you've got to have the strength to be able to do that. And so, yes, it's it's about loving and caring for yourself first so you then can care for somebody else. You spoke with my wife on another podcast about her aspect of weight loss. She struggled with a poor concept of herself, even though she was my wife. She's good at it (laughs) from that standpoint. But she also had something about herself 
that she couldn't fully give or share herself with me because she felt so bad about herself because she was so large. Mm. Yeah. That's relation. So it not only affects how you feel about yourself, but it affects the people, places, and things around you. To love somebody else, you love yourself. I'm just wondering here if it is possible to love ourselves and love others at the same time. Yes. One, we, I think the answer is yes. It is how we, we can be there better for another person, to love another person, when we care for ourselves. We think about eating better. We maybe not eat as much, maybe increase the amount of fruit we take in or eat because our body can utilize those sugars for energy much cleaner than eating something that has processed sugar in it. Yeah, of course. Uh, there are so many ways we can love ourselves that way and still love somebody else. What's interesting to note from a male-female perspective is it says the wife you are to love your husband in the Word of God, in the Bible. But it, it doesn't say that for the man. Wow. The man is to love the wife, to love it. the love that he talks about from a woman to a man is about respecting him. Just another form of love. Yeah. That makes sense. It's really fun to look yeah. at things like that. Right. From, yeah, from that perspective. Is burnout considered a mental disorder? And if yes, how can one recover from it? No, burnout is not a mental disorder. It is that we're tired of something. We are, in a sense, disgruntled with what we're doing. We're not happy in what we do. We don't get the same joy out of it. That can physically eat out of it at us. So for one, we're more physically tired. Emotionally, I really don't want to go to work today. I'm just flat out tired. I, I can't do this anymore. The mental aspect is, why, why am I doing this? We begin to question ourselves as to what we're doing. And then we can get those negative feelings and negative, there's nothing going to be any better than this. I might as well just keep going. We give up. Yeah. And that is an internal thing that is expressed external and people can see it people can see it you're a little bit more jumpy you're a little bit more sarcastic in your tone of voice you're a little bit more irritable people will say well you don't have a smile on your face anymore all you do is complain those that's what burnout is about that's why self-care is so extremely noted and that is important to us I use music mm -hmm. um, personally, I use especially smooth jazz. I use my photography when it's even when it's not for a job or somebody hasn't hired me to shoot pictures for them. I go shoot pictures. Uh, one time in my life, I owned motorbikes, touring motorbikes, gold wings especially. And one job I had, which was extremely stressful because we deal with human beings, I, it took me 45 minutes to ride home after work. 
And sometimes I'd push that to an hour and a half. And I would just ride and take in the beauty that God gave us. And by the time I got home, I was stress free. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I can see it's finding self care, finding joy in the little things. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. that quiet time with a book or a certain piece of music will capture your attention and just all of a sudden you feel very lighthearted. We need those things to help combat the chaos that sometimes we work in, sometimes we live in, in the environments. In the city, for example, people that live scared that one of their loved ones or somebody's going to get shot in cities that there's a shooting a day really need self-care as well. What if you're in the helping profession? For myself, I'm in a helping profession. I meet with people when they're in crisis or chaos or they feel like they are. When my father helping him care for him during the times he had cancer, after he the cancers were done, but he had severe Parkinson's, I was one of his caregivers. When one of my sons was four, uh, 12 years old, he was diagnosed with bone cancer. I left Alaska to go be with him because he asked me to. And I spent almost eight months being his caregiver, being my father's caregiver, but I was still working a graveyard job. I needed self-care at time. For me, the Columbia River, was a, uh, was a, which is near our home, is a saving grace. Getting 20 minutes to jump in a kayak and go take a paddle around the island or take a couple mile paddle, that's self-care. Sometimes saying to heck with the gas prices, getting in your car and just driving into the country is self-care, is one part of self-care. So burnout is more about us individually than it is about the situation. What we can do, make changes on, is how we manage our self-care, our emotions. When do we say no? When do we say yes? Being more aware of our needs, and they're just as important as everybody else's needs. Right. Yeah, I love the idea of being around nature. That is just, yeah, it, it relaxes everything mm-hmm. immediately, so fast. Can burnout become a condition or lead to a kind of mental disorder if untreated? Yes, uh, it can. After a while, it is considered what we call depression and anxiety. Mm, yeah, makes sense. Even with all the issues in our uh, world today and the questioning of our the manual that we use to do our diagnosis, there is low-grade depression that people have. In the last version, it was called dysthymia which is a low-grade depression, more days or feeling down or blue, more days than not over a two-year period. Mm -hmm. A friend might say, you look kind of depressed, or you look kind of sad, or you look kind of down, and they're saying that every day to you. Without self-care or taking care of ourselves, the world can get us down. Hearing all the negativity from the news, from our jobs, from our employers, from our coworkers, 
can rob us of that hope and that joy that we have on a daily basis or can on a daily basis. But over times, over time, like you mentioned, it can lead to a what we would call a depressive state that also includes anxiety as well. Uh, we become very nothing will ever get better. Uh, nothing good ever happens to me. The more it triggers more of that negative self-talk. Yeah. And it if you're more volatile, you're more irritable. I find that in domestic violence and many other relational situations, people become very reactive rather than responsive. So people get hit. You do things you wouldn't normally do. Throw A woman might throw a rolling pin or a skillet at her husband, and that's not normal. It's because we're, we don't, they don't like their lives, and they're not doing anything about it. They expect the world to make them happy. And as just about everybody I know that is an expert in happiness, happiness is yours. You're responsible for your own happiness. Other people are not. You have to create that in your, for yourself. They can become co-creators, right? Mm -hmm. People around us, but not, yeah. They become supports. They become the helps. Right. They become the, I think you ought to do something. Or they can become your greatest support, and all of a sudden you get it, and they want it. People yeah. that are happy, we gravitate toward. Right. You've met people that are something. That's right seem happy all the time. They've always got a smile on their face. They've got a little bit of lift in their walk. They just seem to have a perfect life. And you want what they have. Well, that's because they've created it within themselves. You can do the same thing too. That joy of living. What are some examples of toxic environments that can cause burnout? A place where you're constantly under the gun to produce a certain amount and you struggle to get it being done because you're asked to do so much. Yeah. An environment that constantly questions what you're doing and why you're doing it that way, even though you've been trained to do it that way. An environment where there's no letdown, there's no chance to go take five or six breaths. The constant pace of the job is such that you don't get you're not able to recover, gain it five, 10 minutes of just no noise, breathing and everything like that. An environment that is constantly changing too much. You don't, you, you just get started into something and you've got to switch already again. Those are the type of toxic environments nowadays. Long-term toxic can be like what a police officer does always dealing with people in violating the law or always getting or more often than not getting calls to, for example, a domestic violence call, which is the most violent type of call they they get called to. Um, when nothing ever seems to get done and you're behind all the time. Those can be areas of toxic environment. I would say also relationship, personal relationships, like friendships. and um, Yeah, there aren't any friendships. Um, there, There's not enough time to make some friendships. 
mm. or to connect with colleagues or connect with coworkers. Some jobs are such that they're so busy all the time, you eat, end up eating lunch at your desk God. or on the production line, even though it's against the rules and laws, but you never truly get a break. There are some jobs where there aren't breaks. You have to grab it where you can. Uh, sometimes hospitals are that way. Sometimes being a paramedic or a fire department where at a moment's notice you can get disrupted, but you never know when that is. That can eat at people. Always having to say no to a get together or a, you know, the second floor is having a birthday party for somebody you know, but you got so much work piled up on your desk, there's no way you're going to get to it. So why even try? Those are the type of environments that really get to where there's so many unexpected things. It's hard to be up all the time. Yeah, so many unexpected events. Um, yeah, that can cause a lot of stress, negative stress. Some people, they can handle this kind of stress. So what is different about them, Mark? Yeah, they don't have a job. They don't. I find that they don't feel like they're that working is a chore. Mm, yeah, they enjoy it. They enjoy it no matter what they do. The first person that comes to my life, it comes to my mind is my wife. Oh. She loves being a senior premium monitor. And she just likes the job, you know, the what she has to do. And she likes the rhythm she can get into. And she likes the fact that it includes her traveling and meeting different people and some of the businesses that she does audit, their, um, their offices are in their home. So she goes to get to see some very pretty or very beautiful homes. And her people that she's been seeing year after year keep tabs on her. And she went to an audit last week, I think it was last Thursday, and they, the customer For the insurance company asked her what I had gotten her for her birthday. They had remembered her birthday. Oh, wow. Or she's been asked a lot, I didn't recognize you when you walked in the door. You've lost so much weight. Wow. Or she'll remember that she the customer had to go out of state because their grandson had been hurt in an accident or something. And she'll ask them how it is. And they share their lives with her. So for her, what she does is not a chore. For myself, meeting other people's needs and seeing them become more relaxed and brightness in their eyes, that's what keeps me going. Yeah, that makes so much sense if we are having fun, right? You know, it's a call uh, for me from the Christian perspective. God talks about what we do is to do unto him that if we're doing it for our fellow brothers and sisters, then we are doing it for him. So what we do is a calling and a vocation. It's not in a job or an employment. It's what we truly love to do. For me, it's meeting other people's needs in any way I possibly can. So it's, that's an attitude, I think, is a good way to put it. What's your attitude about what you do? Um, are you interviewing me? <laughs> no, I, I'm just saying, 
that when people begin to ask them, because we talked about attitudes a long time ago. Yes. Or uh, one of the other podcasts we did. The attitudes we have, which are internal, are seen by our outward, how we live, what we do at our jobs, whatever. And people can tell when there's a difference. When, for example, I was 50 some years of age when my father had such severe Parkinson's. And here I was, a 50 some year old man, wiping my own father's bum. That bothered me at first. But you know what? My dad wiped my bun when I needed the help when I was mm. born. He changed my diapers. Mm. I even, he and I laughed about the fact that I had peed on him one time uh, and then laughed because the next day I peed on my grandmother, you know. Uh, but here we I was 55, 56 years old when he needed my help. And he just he looked at me and said, boy, I hope nobody has a camera and takes the pictures of us. And we both just laughed our heads off about that. I was a little bit uncomfortable. And yet I've been a caregiver for many other people. But here I was and doing it with my dad is very different than doing it yes. with a stranger. I worked as a CNA years and years ago in a nursing home. It was much easier to do that job or do that than it was for my father because you have that emotional connection. Um, I I think it's an attitude that we have of our purpose in life. How realistic do you think it is for most people to have this attitude toward their, their jobs? I think it's very realistic if they can overcome their attitudes about working or how they're being treated by the job. One, there was John F. Kennedy once said, do not ask what your country can do for you, but what you can do for the country. That's an attitude. That's uh, understanding that I have some gifts or I have some skills that is better for others. There's a, a country Western video out that shows a co-worker picking up the slack and telling his buddy to go ahead and go and take because his buddy apparently had to was going to take his wife out on a date and they had been planning it for a while and his co-worker could have clocked out and gone home but instead he shoved his co-worker out the door and took over his job for the rest of the evening and he did it with a smile on his face um, late at, toward the end of the video, it showed the supervisor looking at him and just, wow, shaking his head like, boy, that's something else. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the things, those are attitudes in us that bring the joy in life, bring the joy to other people. And for a brief moment in time, you were a part of it. We can have that if we're willing to look at it from ourselves. So that was actually my next question about if you had some suggestions to people so they can improve their relationships um, with one another in the workplace to avoid burned out. Yeah, I I think the first one is to be aware of how you talk with or communicate with your coworkers. And it's fairly simple, but it's very hard to do at the same time. We have a tendency when we communicate with others to tell them what they need to do. 
or tell them what they need to think or the way it is. If we would get out of the way and make requests or ask permission to make a suggestion, we would find the responses were different and we would not have as much uh, stress. And we find that our responses to people are much more appropriate. That everything that we do in life, at our jobs, at whatever, is not about us. It's about how we're serving and how well we can do it. It is proven in research that when a person is burned out or has burnout tendencies or is not happy in their vocation or work, it also reduces the quality of work. Now, I think if people, people, all, everybody I know always wants to improve or do the best job possible, but you got to do that with yourself Mm, and then the relationships will change with your coworkers and family and otherwise. And yet doing that, even in a world that says that's not okay, because our world gives us messages that it's not okay to do that. Um, there's a commercial advertisement for three or four different products. And one of them shows a gal coming home from the office and she's just kind of comes in the door, lets down, slips off her shoes and says the work never ends. There's three, still three more hours of parenting before I can think of me. Mm. That's the wrong message. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> yes. Parenting shouldn't be that way. Parenting is a joy. So it comes down to the attitude. Once you begin to do that, you'll find that and taking five minutes for yourself. The reason that a lot of people get headaches is because they're not breathing properly. You get headaches when you don't uh, breathe deep enough. And it's a proven fact that if your respiration is above 12 uh, 12 breaths per minute and you're up around 16 18 your brain's not uh breaths per minute you're not getting enough oxygen to your brain so sometimes when we say i can't think of what the answer is well check your breathing take a minute step back take three to five deep cleansing breaths what we call them in through the nose out through the mouth very slowly not with a lot of sighs and all that where people you know And you will find that you feel a little bit more refreshed and you will feel that you can think of things you hadn't a few minutes ago. It's because you're getting enough oxygen in the brain. That's that's just one thing you can do. Getting up and walking away from the desk, not being there for three straight hours doing the same thing. Get up and move. Get the blood circulating. Let the muscles relax. Uh, People that have arthritis, people that have other problems with muscular or circulation or whatever, if they do, if they stay at a sitting in their chair and doing their work for an hour or more, they will get try to get up and they're all stiff and create pain in themselves. Everything goes back to um, self-knowledge, self-awareness. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how it's the foundation of of health, of well-being. We have been talking about this for a long time now, you and I. Yeah, it's putting it, the difficulty is, is we have a society that talks about it, but we don't have a society that really puts it into application. Mm-hmm. You, right. you go to doctors, they ask you what's wrong. They rarely ask you, 
what are you doing not to have as much of this difficulty as possible? It just came out, oh my gosh, a year ago, that pineapple in small amounts over several days can help reduce blood sugar levels. Yes. We know that cranberry juice, good cranberry juice with low sugar as possible or cranberry capsules, and that's what I use, can reduce urinary tract infections in women and yeast infections and kidney infections in men. It's the type of acid that is in the particular fruit that helps do that. So I tend to try to have a little bit of that fruit maybe with every other day. We know that eating oranges can help us with vitamin C, which supports our immune system. But if we eat too much of it, we can also cause acid problems. Children can't take straight orange juice. They need to have it cut with water because it's too much acid going into their young bodies. Cranberry, you don't have to worry too much about. Apple is the same way. The body can assimilate that because the acid is the citrus that is in those fruits the body can handle, but not in other forms. And that's self-care. I think my wife mentioned to you that she's learned to work on her attitude, and it's gotten her to the point where she can push push herself away from the table, which has helped in her whole change in herself. I do the same thing now, too. You just learn, you just modify your current lifestyle to where you're healthier and are able to have more joy about living. What you do at the job or being an umpire at a softball game for kids. It's the application that stops most of us. Right, because I remember you mentioned that before as well. Most people know they have too much information, actually. They know a lot, but they don't, they don't apply what they know. Right. They can tell everybody else how to do it, but they won't do it themselves. Oh, yeah. True. A lot <laughs> they, of people are very good at it. <laughs> very good. Yeah, well, it, it's easier to deal with somebody else than it is with ourselves because we don't like to feel like we're less than. We don't like to feel that we can't do it. We don't like to feel that there there might be something wrong with us. And that's what the world has taught us, not what the truth is. We have a society that through our media teaches that everything you have, everything you are is not good enough unless you have this or look like this or act like this. They tell us we're wrong. That's media's message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you expose yourself to uh, mainstream media? I do. I do at times, but I tend to read more than I watch on TV. Um, And a lot of people go, well, why do you do that? Well, one, it's easier to set down a magazine or set down a newspaper. And I can pick and choose what I want to read or what I want to get involved in. Uh, Same thing on using a pad or a tablet. The TV in and of itself forces us to view things that we don't agree in. We don't have, I guess, the rights that we think we ought to. The media is going to put up there what they want to put up. Well, we have control when we turn it off. I would say that in the last two years, my wife and I were watch more documentaries 
uh, watch more educational style shows like National Geographic, History Channel, things of that nature. And I watch soccer. I watch auto racing, which are both very important to me. But then we watch movies most of the time, movies that have something to say. There's a message mm-hmm. to yeah, it. Meaningful. For example, the movie Concussion mm-hmm. with Will Smith. We do like just plain old entertainment like Matt Damon in The Great Wall. I like that movie. I really thought, you know, there's some movies, but most of my movies are movies actually have a message to say in it. Kingdom of Heaven with Orlando Bloom is one of those. Um, the Patriot is one that has a message in there. So, and for entertainment, we like movies like Red and Red 2. Um, I think the Expendables movie, 1, 2, and 3, were great, were just great entertainment movies. Of course, I like all the actors that are in them, which helps. (laughs) (laughs) Helps a lot, yeah. I can't comment. I don't, I have not watched, I think, any of the movies you mentioned. But but I agree, yeah, with the message, having a meaningful message So if there's a meaning to it, I'll watch it. If there isn't, I won't watch it. I'm late, lately, I've been watching the Tour de France. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been watching that since about 1966. And so I, you know, I try to watch it. Um, I will record the, every year I record the Le Mans, 24 hours at Le Mans, um, because it's some part of my heritage, part of my history, something I shared with my father, and I enjoy it. So, I mean, I just have gotten away. The mainstream shows don't fit me, my lifestyle, my beliefs, my faith, so I don't watch them. But that's where we have so much power, control, self-care, or self-discipline, is we are the things that we can do to modify what we already do so we live a better life. Yes. Yes, a thousand times. You wrote something interesting in one of the the recent articles that, that I accessed, that you sent to me. Uh, you mentioned promoting the mission of humanity. Yes. What is to promote the mission of humanity? Yeah. The mission of humanity is to serve each other, to help humanity as itself grows. And that starts within your own home with your in your own job, with anybody. In today's times, I find that people will purposely go out of their way to harm another person or harm a group of people, whether it be through speech or actions or affiliations. And it's one area where I think in humanity, we don't put up enough boundaries and say enough is enough. And the mission is we're And for me, the mission comes from the word of God for me. And that's we're to love everyone else as we do our brother. We are to lay our lives down. We are to tell the truth, even if it leads to our death. Those are values that I do believe we're missing today. My dad went into the military and ultimately served in Vietnam and Thailand in the late 60s, early 70s. And he was honored to do that. That was the way we were raised. We served. And we have so many people today that don't see it as an honor, as a duty, as a a very enriching immediacy, something that we would do to protect 
not only ourselves, but what we have and what others have or don't have. That's the mission. Those are the values I was talking about in that in that writing, that we've lost a lot of the values for what is important and that people are the most important thing in this world, not our own selfish gain or our own success, but that everyone's success. Yes. I also love the way you defined the word team together each achieve more. Really beautiful. And then I also said something like, um, we are here to, pro to provide support for change, not to make them change. We cannot change anyone. And that's a view of humanity that gets lost very easily. We have the ability to change ourselves. We have the ability to create environments where change can occur. And That is a critical factor in serving others, in being a servant, allowing others to serve us, is the recognition that I can't change anybody. Everything I do in life and can do is not about changing others, but it's the honor of being there alongside of them and supporting them while they make the change that they want to make. But we teach, our humanity, our society teaches it the other way around, that we can change people. We're supposed to change people. If they're doing something wrong, we're going to fix them. Well, I'm sorry, that doesn't work. It hasn't worked for thousands of years. If they know it doesn't work, has not been working, why do they persist with this method? Because it's easier not to change. It's easier to keep doing what we've been doing than to do something different. It takes more effort and more work. It forces us to change our attitude. For example, the biggest one that you can think of in humanity in the 200 and some years that America has been a country is in our criminal justice system, our Department of Corrections. We're gonna change people by putting them in jail and taking away their freedoms or rights. Mm -hmm doesn't work. If it did work, we wouldn't still have an 80 to 85% reoffending rate in this country. But it's easier to keep going and trying to fix what we we know is broken, but it's more comfortable because we know it. It's the same way with addictions. Same thing there. We have a high reoffend rate with addictions. Part of it is is we tell them what they know or what we think they need to know, and we do it over and over again, but nothing changes. And then we get frustrated and say they're, they're untreatable. Well, that's not true. We haven't worked with them, and how do they get the support they need for to continue to apply the skills we've already taught them in their lives? We forget about what team is. There's no I in team. I know that sounds cliche, but it's true. The team means that when we work together collaboratively, when we come together with a purpose in mind, there is unity and strength. So together, each person, each party can and will achieve more. That's what team means, that together each achieve more. 
Yeah, I like that a lot. Maybe one of the reasons you, you talked before about it, that the idea of self-love, we try to help others so we stay busy and then we don't look at ourselves. And then now we become the helper, right? We're always helping others. It might be the same with the system, right. with corporations. They, they need somebody in need right. in order for them to become the helper. Right. But we have to be able to do the same things before it's real enough that they can, that they can see they do it. We teach more by living our own lives and we learn more. Humanity learns more by observe, from observation than they do being told. A lot of times, telling somebody how to correct their lives is well, we want them to do it, but we won't do it ourselves. That it, it leads to burnout. That's what happens in my field. I can imagine. Yeah. I'll be asking you two questions unrelated, somewhat unrelated to the topic, but I think you, you will probably connect those two questions to the topic. But if you don't, just in case, do you want to say something? close the, the topic of self-care before we move on to these unrelated questions? Self-care is a way for us to maintain, a way for an individual or group to maintain their ability and the sense of purpose and accomplishment with people that don't have the same views or values or gifts, skills that we have. If we're constantly giving what's filling us, Sometimes it, the best thing you can do is to say, no, I'm not able to do it this time. I need some R&R for me, if you will. Not replace and restore, but rest and relaxation. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. I love. You tell everybody else to go do it, but you don't do it yourself. Yeah. You're not going to have much credibility with the other person. When you ask, when of Another person asks you, well, what do you do to help yourself? You would not believe the number of times people don't have an answer to that question. Oh, I don't do much. I just do. You know, that's not the answer to the question. It's because you don't do it themselves. You're asking them to do something you're not doing yourself. That's easy. It's harder to ask yourself and then to actually do it. Right. Yeah. It has been a meaningful conversation, as always. Um, this is our third interview, and I'll be asking you two more questions, one of which is, what is your greatest joy? Mm. When I see people that I've known and had the honor to work with, and they are living a new life that they created for themselves, and they let me be a part of it, yeah. a part of that, of their change. I didn't do a thing to change them, but I was available. And seeing people grow like that to me is the greatest joy there is. That's beautiful. Thank you, Mark. And my other question is, what is the world's greatest need? Love. To be able to look at another person and know we're connected. Right. To say, hi, how you doing? and it to be real to them as it is to you. It's to think of others more highly than you do yourself. That's... Because you already love yourself. Now love everybody else that way. Yeah. Um, so my last, last question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to get philosophical now, but wow, you gave like um, 
I'm just speechless. Yeah, love. Yeah, coming from that place, like you would love yourself. Now share it with others. Love yourself as you love other. You know. Yeah. Love yourself as much as you do other people. Beautiful. And how you, you know, right. the people are so important that we miss out. Yeah. They really are. Yeah. Mm. Where can we find more information about you, your work, services, and future projects, Mark? I have a, my photography work is shown on 500px.com. And I usually post everything or what I do is on LinkedIn, um, which is a professional social media site. And then just by emailing me with questions um, and, you know, and I will do my best to get back to you. Um, that's how people can connect. Do you want to provide them with your email, email address? Sure. Uh, all lowercase M B A I S D E N seven one three at gmail.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Mark. Glad to do it. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye for now. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Reverend Mark Baisden, please visit his LinkedIn page, linkedin.com slash in slash rev hyphen mark hyphen Baisden hyphen A 57B 33149. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.